Nobody really knew what they were going to do with video. They weren't making videos at that time. I originally started in the IT department because it wasn't even a thought at that time that video was actually a marketing thing. Well, it's a technical thing. We need someone who knows how to operate a camera. Uh, so I guess this is an IT thing. So our president went to our CIO, chief information officer at the time, said, I want a video studio on a video producer. So I got hired to do exactly that. Glenn Hughes is an in-house video strategist and video producer who's been working for the last five years to roll out effective full funnel video strategies across his organisation. And in this episode of the podcast, I'm going to pick his brain to learn more for you about what he calls an integrated content strategy. Let's do this. This is the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, helping you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. I'll be bringing you the absolute best in the world of video marketing, content creation, storytelling, and marketing strategy, as together we grow to dominate online video and build profitable businesses. I'm your host, Ben Amos. Now let's get on with the show. G'day, g'day, and welcome back to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing. This is episode 154. Thanks for joining me again for this episode, and I'm excited to get stuck straight in. If you're new here, I'd love for you to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episode as it comes out. And if you've listened before and you haven't yet left a rating and a review for this podcast, I'd seriously appreciate any honest review over on Apple Podcasts. You can do that easily by going to engagevideomarketing.com slash iTunes. So you've probably noticed more and more organizations globally are starting to bring video teams in-house. But the problem is that many doing this, I feel, aren't necessarily getting it right. You see, it all comes down to why they're doing this in the first place. And for many, I feel that they're looking at bringing production in-house for the sake of creating more content, content for content's sake. And as you, the listeners to this podcast know, that's not how to be effective with video marketing. It's not just about how much video you can create or how quickly or cheaply you can create it, but how effectively you can use that video to actually drive results for an organization. So my guest today, I feel, is doing it right. So I wanted to bring him onto the show to share more. So Glenn Hughes is a professional video producer, videographer, and video editor with over 20 years experience planning, shooting, and editing videos for clients worldwide. And as in-house video strategist and video producer at a company called Gordian in the US, Glenn develops video strategies and content roadmaps aimed at lead and demand generation for each stage of the customer journey. Glenn produces, shoots and edits promotional, educational and training videos for his employer, Gordian, as well as clients and contractors around the country. Now, in today's episode, Glenn's going to break down for us the role that he plays as an in-house video strategist and video producer within his organisation and the journey that got him there in the first place. We're also going to explore where many larger organisations potentially get this wrong and what he's doing within his organisation to actually bring the internal stakeholders together behind the idea of using video strategically across the entire marketing journey within the organization. He's also going to share with us what he calls an integrated content strategy approach, which is what really excites me because I believe 
that everything's better when it works together, particularly when it comes to being effective with video marketing. So I can't wait to share more as Glenn dives into this in this episode. So that's enough from me. Let's just jump into my interview with Glenn Hughes, video strategist from Gordian. G'day, Glenn. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Ben. It's a real pleasure to be here. I'm excited for this conversation because we've had a couple of kind of informal conversations over the last couple of years that we've met in person at Social Media Marketing World over in San Diego. And I remember the first year uh, that we met at, in San Diego there, we had an interesting conversation around everything that I'm passionate about around video marketing and video strategy. And you apply this within one organization, which is what I want to dive into today is your experience kind of working as a video marketer and video producer within an organization. So for people that haven't come across you before, Glenn, fill us in on your story. What do you do and, and what, like basically who do you work for? Okay. Uh, my name is Glenn Hughes and I'm a uh, one person video department, I guess you would say, at a company called Gordian. Uh, before I go any further, I just want to shout out to my team because I call myself one video department because I'm the producer, I'm the shooter, I'm often the writer, I'm the editor, but every video that I do, of course, is a big collaboration with the rest of the marketing department as well. And I work for a company called Gordian in South Carolina. I actually work remotely. I live in Albuquerque and we are the uh, world's leader in construction cost data software and services for every phase of the building life cycle. Sounds riveting, but fill us in a little <laughs> right. bit more. So, so give us a, just a bit of a sense of the size of the company and, and the kinds of people that you're selling to just to get us in your ecosystem a bit. Sure. Yeah. So I gave you that quick elevator speech, which doesn't really tell you too much, right? So what we do is uh, we're involved in what we call, what is called the building life cycle. So that's construction, that's facilities, that's from the planning of construction, capital planning, up to the design architecture, you know, engineering, et cetera, the building of a building, the procurement of the construction services, all the way through to facilities, maintenance, repair for the entire life of a building. And uh, our customers are not people in the construction industry. They're people who uh, purchase construction or are involved in construction in some way. So facility managers, uh, you, most of our customers are C-suite, I would say. So you have uh, VPs of facilities, for instance. And a large portion of our customer base is government, federal government, state and local governments. So that pre often presents a challenge with video marketing, with any kind of marketing, but particularly with video marketing, because people who are working at government agencies, the US Army, the DOD, uh, Department of Energy, they're typically not spending their day on YouTube. You know, yeah. um, they're not really, they're not getting their information from Facebook and Instagram. So that's a big challenge. And that's probably what makes a lot of what we do different than people out there who are say working in marketing agencies or trying to sell a product you know we're yeah. selling services and data and technology okay awesome and what was your backstory what did you do before you you started this role with gordian well my backstory is um i've been a video producer editor for a little over 20 years now uh i started 
30 years ago uh, in the publishing industry. I was a magazine designer. I worked for a niche publish publisher. And um, that was a great introduction to me, learning experience to media. And I did that for 11 years before I started working in video. And then I started working in video and uh, I, I left that company and became uh, a self-employed web designer as well. And that's actually how I got into video because video was fledgling. YouTube wasn't even thought of yet, but uh, I did have a few clients who were like, hey, is there any way we can get video We're here that you can put video on the web? That's how I got into it. But I have always to this day taken the lessons that I learned in magazine publishing into my business. And we still use a lot of the strategy that I learned there today at Gordian in our uh, video marketing strategy. Okay. Awesome. So I want you to take me back to when you first were employed or first came into Gordian and sure. can you give us a sense of maybe from their perspective, why, why did they hire a video producer in-house um, at that stage? And, and what was, what was their content marketing play at that stage? Well, um, I got, I got really lucky because uh, the, my big champion at Gordian from the very beginning and the reason I got hired is the president of the company. So uh, apparently the way this story goes, I never asked him about it, but the way this story goes is he went to a client's business and he went in there and uh, they had a video studio and they had a green screen and they had the lights set up and the sound booths and everything. And he asked them what they were doing with, with video. Uh, and they said, you know, we're putting informational videos together for our customers and doing all kinds of promotional videos and stuff. And he came away from there and said, that's what we need. We need a video studio. We need to do that. At that time, nobody really knew what they were going to do with video. They weren't making videos at that time. And uh, he came back and he, uh, I originally started in the IT department because it wasn't even a thought at that time that video was actually a marketing thing. Yeah, it was right. just that, well, it's a technical thing. We need someone who knows how to operate a camera. Uh, so I guess this is an IT thing. So the C, uh, our president went to our CIO, chief information officer at the time, said, I want a video studio on a video producer. So my, uh, I got hired to do exactly that. And it was really a dream job because I came in and they had nothing. And it was like, we're going to give you a budget and you just go out and build us a video studio, buy what you need. And from the beginning, I was never told we want these kind of videos, these kind of videos. My boss just said, my boss wants videos. My boss has a video studio. I had already been doing it that time for about 16 years working with clients. I knew what to do. So I came in and I treated all the internal stakeholders within my company as external clients. And I basically ran the video department at that time the same way I ran my own business. I went, I met with them. I talked with them about their needs. And, uh, you know, more importantly, I knew I was bringing an expertise to them. So rather than sitting down and saying, do you need video? And what kind of video do you need? I sat down and asked them, what do you do? What does your department do? How does it function? Who are your clients? Are they internal or are they external? And then I made the suggestions. This is the kind of videos that we could produce for you. This is the way you can use them. This is how you can measure your ROI. And that's how it really began. Uh, and then it turned out that 90% um, of what I was doing was for marketing department, not any of the other departments. Because of course, once marketing knew that they had a video guy in house, that blew up. <laughs> you know? yeah. Nobody else got 
So I got uh, three or four years ago, I got moved into the marketing department and I've been there ever since. Now, how long ago was this when you first came into Gordian? Uh, 2015. Okay. So yeah, I mean, still still relatively early as far as particularly now, I think uh, it's much more commonplace to for organize organizations of a certain size to invest in in internal video teams but Mm -hmm. i would say that that's you know fairly early on uh, in 2015 uh, and fairly forward thinking but what's interesting about that story there is they were definitely approaching it from video for video's sake right so yes exactly it's shiny new thing we need we need to have some video production capabilities in-house um and i think what they lucked into with you is you had a marketing kind of mindset to it, right? So can you break us down in those early stages of were you just creating video for video's sake or did you right from the beginning start to think strategically about what you were doing? I really thought from the beginning uh, strategically. It wasn't a full strategy. Uh, I didn't have anything written out at that time. Um, I mean, Certainly, I've I've evolved as much as the company has in those five years of working for Gordian. But I've heard you talk about your frustration with getting paid to create a video. And that's all great. You get paid, you did a video, and you got paid for it. That's wonderful. But there's really something about putting effort into a product like that and seeing that the client didn't know what to do with it. You know, uh, they or they didn't get the ROI out of it. You got paid. We yeah. also want them to see some ROI in it. And so I had had that frustration already for 15 years. And I had worked with clients that I'd made suggestions uh, to who may or may not have followed my suggestion. I got lucky when I came to Gordian because... Everybody that I worked with from the very beginning was very open-minded about that. It was very much, we need video. We don't know how to make it and we don't know what to do with it. And that's why we hired you. So I did start thinking that way very strategically, uh, even okay. even within uh, departments, you know, in, internal. Some of the most first videos I did at Gordian were internal training videos, train people how to use our internal timekeeping system. Uh, but... You know, I said I, I started instead of just creating those tutorial videos with asking my internal stakeholders. So what do you want to get out of these videos? Well, we want people to be able to go in and use Kronos because they don't know how to do it. And there aren't any tutorial videos out there. So we went and I said, OK, so in order for them to get in order for you to get the benefit out of the video, which is the benefit is no more mistaken time sheets. Right. People have to watch the videos in order. You can't just put a 20-minute video together on how to use Kronos and expect anyone in the company to watch it. So you have to look at your internal people just like you would external customers, just like if you were putting something on YouTube. It's about, um, I'm a big proponent that views don't count, but in this case, they wanted everybody in the company to see it. And they wanted everybody in the company to watch the full video. So I began with a strategy. You know, Mm. we're going to put 10 videos together. I wrote scripts for all of those videos. I made them nice and short so they were digestible. We put them on a page so you could just look at the subject. So maybe you already know how to log into Kronos. Maybe you already know how to keep track of your hours. But maybe you don't know how to keep track of your vacation time, your PTO. So you could just jump to that video. This all kind of sounds like a no-brainer to you and I. But to a lot of people, they just don't think that way. Um, Yeah. So... 
So again, yeah, from the beginning, I was thinking strategically. I didn't just start making videos to make videos. That's so good. And I think that there's, there's a big takeaway in that of even when you are creating content for internal stakeholders or internal comms, recognizing that, you know, it's still humans that you're wanting to engage with this content. And if they don't engage with it, then the message hasn't been transferred. So it's failed at returning on that investment on whatever it costs to kind of pull together, sure. even if it's just a time investment, right? So I think that's that's critical for anyone um, doing video internally as well. So can you break down for us then? Now you've you've refined a pretty pretty defined strategy around how you use video and content marketing within Gordian to really impact on the bottom line, right? So can you yeah. break down for us what your what you do now. So what does it look like when you are uh, thinking about where video fits within the entire kind of marketing ecosystem at Gordian? We do have a complete strategy that is much like uh, what I saw you present at Social Media Marketing World last year, which is a full funnel strategy, awareness stage, you know, uh, discovery stage, et cetera, and how different videos of different types, different lengths with different KPIs, different delivery vehicles all fit within that, right? So we do have that, but something else that we do that I'm very proud of that uh, I see very few people doing is this thing that I call an integrated content strategy. Uh, so we don't just look at video as separate from everything else, you know? And I think a lot of people make that mistake. Mm -hmm. I have a video, yeah. I have a website, uh, we have eBooks, we have uh, landing pages, we have gated content, we have infographics, we have all that. And then we have video. Okay, let's put that on YouTube because that's where video goes. Or let's put it on YouTube and embed it on a page and here, watch this video. So what we do is we look at it more holistically. And again, it goes back to what are you trying to achieve and what are you trying to teach people? Because that's really what it's all about. In order to get engagement, it's about giving people content, information, where they learn something. I mean, that's anyone who's listening to this podcast. That's why they're listening to it, right? Because they want to yeah. learn something new about marketing, or marketing video. So I'll give you a few examples, Ben. Um, if, we do, uh, if we do a video, uh, I'm going to use an example on capital planning. Uh, mm -hmm. We're going to do a video on capital planning. And in that video, we're going to give uh, CEOs or, or, or CFOs tips on how to create an effective capital plan for their facilities. That's what the video is about, right? So maybe that's, that's a detailed thing. So maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's a 10 minute video, but we won't just look at the video. We'll look at other content that we, that exists or that we are creating or that we can create around this. And so the example would be, we'll have a blog post about tips for capital planning. Um, we will have, uh, we have a section of our website on capital planning. So we might put something in there. We will have a, uh, we'll have an ebook, an ebook that is gated, right? And so there's an ebook on capital planning for facilities, and that might be 30 pages long, right? So what we do is we integrate all of that content together. The video will live on its own page in our video hub on our website, but that same video will also be embedded into the blog post. 
Now, it doesn't duplicate the content in the blog post. It complements the content in the blog post, right? And then we have an ebook. So the goal, our goal, in addition to teaching people something, is to generate leads, to generate marketing qualified leads. And the way we're going to do that is by following these people through the funnel, right? And by getting them through a gate so we can get their information. So the kind of pillar content that we're using here in this example would be an ebook. So right. they give us their information, they go through the gate, they get the ebook. But in the ebook, there's that video in the ebook. Now, okay. we might also put that video on YouTube, but one of the uh, one of the headwinds, I guess you'd say, that I faced when I first started with this strategy was this idea that a lot of people out there might be thinking right now, well, you're just, you're, you're putting the video in too many places. But I don't know that they ever saw that video in the resource hub. I don't know that they ever read the blog post. I don't know that they ever read our facilities or capital planning page on our website. And I don't know that they ever downloaded the ebook. Well, of course I do once they've gone through the gate. But the point is you put it everywhere where uh, people can see it. And the other thing yeah. that we do is each of those <coughs> each of those places will have separate CTAs. So calls to action at the end of the video. So I'll use the same video, but I'll create different versions of it with different call to actions. So okay. for instance, if you're on the blog post page, you read the blog. You decide to click the video and in the blog, it says, watch the video to the right for more tips on capital planning, whatever. They watch the video. The CTA at the end of that video is going to be to learn more about capital planning, download our ebook, click here, takes you to the ebook, takes you to the gate. Now that same video on our resource page or on our, in our video hub, it's gonna have a different CTA at the end. We're not getting people through the gate yet, or we might. We might have a CTA at the end that says, to learn more, read our blog post on capital planning tips or download our ebook. If I use yeah. that video out on YouTube, it's going to say, read our blog post. It's not gonna say download our e- ebook, read our blog post. You know, so. That's the way you see the big picture. And what that really takes is planning up front. Yeah. Uh, you know, separate from planning the video itself, it's where's the video going to live? What other pieces of content can be tied to that video? And then before I even shoot, I have a creative brief that I request everybody fill out. And in that creative brief, there's a couple things. What are the cell lines for that video? So that would be the title of the video, right? What are the cell lines for the video? And um, what are the CTAs for the video? Because I need to know before I create the video what we're trying to get our customers to do when they get to the end of it. Yeah. And a lot of the reason for that is if we're using a video with a voiceover or we have a host in the video, I want that, I want that host. I don't just have it come up. I might have that host in the middle of the video say, and by the way, for more capital planning tips, don't forget to check out our blog post. There's a link at the end of the video something like that. So it's important to know what the CTA is before you even start creating the video. I love that. And it really is, as you map it out there, an integrated content strategy, because what you're doing here is not looking at that funnel or customer journey as a single linear thing, right? You're looking at it as in reality of the way that humans work, that they're going to surface the initial piece of content through different mechanisms 
And, you know, as long as there's all consistency in the messaging and the, and the content and the topic, but not overlapping, as you say, not just replicating, um, but complementary, then what you're going to do is effectively be more effective at capturing people in the way that they, their attention wants to be captured, right? And then moving sure. them through to the ultimate call to action, which is that marketing qualified lead or, or downloading the ebook, right? But then sure. what you're also doing is when you've got them, when you've captured the lead and they've downloaded the ebook, you're still uh, using the other pieces of content that were created to further improve the experience of someone once they've got that ebook, right? Am sure. I kind of mapping that out properly? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there's actually another aspect to it uh, that could take me off on a huge tangent and I won't go there, but I'll just tell you what that is. <coughs> that is that there is a funnel strategy or let's say a customer journey strategy to this as well, because each one of those pieces of content that I'm mentioning will be aimed maybe not always, but can often be aimed at a different funnel stage. So maybe the blog post is very high level information about capital planning. To learn more, watch these tips in the video. Now the video gets into it more, right? The video yeah. might be five, 10 minutes long. It gives you more detail. Detail that's much easier to put in a video, that's the power of video, than it is to put in a written page of 500 words or a thousand words, something like that. So now we've got funnel stage two. Now we're asking them to give us their information, go through the gate, they know what's gonna happen, they know somebody's gonna contact them, they know what, but they want this information. Now they're getting a 30 page ebook, right? That's, that's funnel stage three right there. That content in that ebook is much more involved. And then finally, I said that we put the video in the ebook. We'll put that same video somewhere early in the ebook, again, just in case they, because we don't know that they necessarily went through the gate and downloaded the ebook because they saw the video. Yeah. They may have gotten it from the blog post. They may have gotten an email from an email blast that we sent out or something. So now here's another opportunity. If they've seen the video, obviously they don't need to watch it. But at the end or somewhere towards the back half of that ebook, there's going to be a link to yet another video. That video is very bottom of the funnel, usually. Yeah. It might be 15 or 20 minutes long. Now here's the benefit of doing that. We can follow these people. And we score them in Marketo. Uh, we have a scoring mechanism that we can score them on each piece of content that they've engaged with. Mm -hmm. So not only are you just trying to integrate content, but you're also trying to create a customer journey. So imagine now, if you will, in this scenario, you can see that this customer hit the blog page. I don't know if you read the whole thing or not. There's not any way I can tell. But I can then also see that that customer clicked on that video. I can see that they clicked on the CTA at the end, they went through the gate, they downloaded the ebook. And if we're really lucky, they also may have clicked on that video at the end. That's all four stages of the funnel. You can qualify yeah. a lead very quickly that way. You can do it. I mean, we have a video series that I've talked about many times called Jock 101. And I have proven by looking at the the metrics that we've qualified, we've, we've gone from unknown entities to qualified leads in 37 minutes, because that's yeah. how long it takes to watch all four pieces of content, each one aimed at a different 
stage of the funnel. And it's been very, very successful strategy for us. Yeah. And the beauty of this is it's just so intimately trackable throughout the process, which obviously from a sales department perspective, they love, right? There's often this disconnection between marketing and sales, right? And what you're doing here really effectively, and you've broken it down well for, for the listeners, is, is you're really connecting the dots between marketing and sales. It, sure. it, can exactly. you just reflect on for a moment that perhaps in the early stages, you know, was was there that connection between marketing and sales in Gordian or, you know, now that you've built it out in this way, what's the difference from their perspective? I think it's very different. Um, I don't know how much I can say about that, you know, uh, but uh, what I will I won't say. I throw you under a bus. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, you understand where I'm coming from, I think. Uh, and I'm sure that there are people out there. I, I've met so many people at conferences doing speaking and they come up and they ask me that question, but they frame it differently. They say, in my company, marketing and sales don't work together. Marketing and sales don't like to like each other. Marketing and sales don't talk uh, yeah. to each other. Uh, that's a lot of people's experiences. And I think it's a very, very common experience. And I don't want to go so far as to say that that's the way Gordian was, but there were definitely, there were definitely some uh, head, headwinds there as far as getting them to, to um, work together or at least buy into the strategy, let's say. <clears throat> and I think it's taken sales a very long time. Well, couple of years, but uh, it, it has taken our sales uh, department quite a while to buy into video strategy. We don't need video. That's what you hear all the time. We don't really need video. That's not part of what we do. And now uh, it's integral, I think. And, and so that's where the difference is. Uh, that marketing, we've, we've proved that we can influence revenue, but we've also provided uh, or proven that we can provide value to our sales team. So mm -hmm. uh, Marcus Sheridan, I don't know if you know who Marcus is, I'm sure you probably yeah. do, but um, did you see him at Social Media Marketing World? I did, yeah. Oh my yeah. God, I cried, at, I cried at the end of his presentation. When he started incredible. crying, I started crying. Just incredible. But you've probably heard Mark, Marcus say this before, that uh, sales often do not buy into the video strategy. They say we don't need video, they don't really know, or they say we're not good on video or that's not the way we do it. And what Marcus said that really hit me, hit home with me and what changed my thinking as well, which, which may have had an effect on this, is that, uh, you know, Marcus says, the problem with video is that we as video makers, particularly marketers, call it one thing. We call it video marketing. And what Marcus said was, in his experience, if you want to get something tabled or shelved completely, call it a marketing play. <laughs> if you want yep. people in the company to buy into it, call it a sales tactic. And he said, yeah. I don't want you calling these marketing videos anymore. These are sales videos, and they're your number one sales tool. And I've been preaching that now since I first heard Marcus say that almost two years ago. And it's made a very big difference. But it also, I think about it differently now too. I don't just think of it as a marketing video. I think of how would the sales team be able to use this? How would the sales team say this to a customer? Because we're speaking to the same people. So I want to make sure that we're speaking the same language. Yeah. I think that's so powerful is to recognize the role of video in sales and that connection, that 
integral connection between marketing and sales in that way. They, they really shouldn't even be referred to it as different titles, you know. Um, sure. But there is that historical separation typically in an org chart, you know. Um, but I think that that that's changing. And I, you know, to be honest, even uh, coronavirus and the way that business has been forced to change recently has changed some of that even more. Um, and I think we'll continue to see that shift. So I love, I love the way that you're, you're breaking that down. And obviously Marcus, um, and we've talked about his book, They Ask You Answer on the podcast in a few episodes before as well. Um, so definitely recommend people checking that out. So can I ask you just from your perspective, Glenn, you know, how have you been able to, or what's your process been to get buy-in across the entire organization as you've integrated this kind of content strategy? Or have, have you come against some uh, the things that you've had to overcome. And I, I guess what I would love for you to unpack is for that person listening to this interview and they're like, I'm on that journey now. I'm trying to get buy-in across the organization. Um, what would you say to them? Uh, well, I, again, have been extremely lucky in that I, I work in, and this isn't just wordplay here. I have worked at an organization from the very beginning, probably because it came from the president at the very start, you know, um, that people have respected. I feel very well respected at Gordian where it's like, Hey, what do you suggest? What do you suggest we do? But that doesn't mean that I haven't come up against walls as well. And I would say some of the biggest walls I've had, uh, in, at least on the marketing side has been, um, marketing people who've been doing it for a long time and had a particular idea or a particular way of doing things. And so you have to convince them sometimes to do it this way. And I'll give you an example of this. Uh, the idea that we're going to take this video and put it in a bunch of different places. Uh, I, I ran up against some resistance uh, from some people at the beginning, because it's like, no, you're oversaturating them with the video. And I had to convince them that very few people probably visited all four of those pieces of content, you know? So if you relegate yourself to just putting your video in one place, then, then you're stuck with only the people that visited that one place. Yeah. And so it was really just, um, you know, proving ROI, right? Let's do it. And I'll show you what the results will be. Sometimes the results are great. Sometimes they aren't. But, um, you know, an ex another example is putting a video at the top of the page. At the beginning, people were so in love with their content, as so many marketers are, that we've got a video that goes with it. But let's put that video at the bottom because I want mm -hmm. them to read the whole blog post first. Well, you just by doing that, by putting that video at the bottom of the page instead of up top right in front you have just eliminated a lot of the power of video. Okay. Mm. Because I come to that blog page, maybe I read two or three paragraphs. Ah, it's not that interesting. Maybe it is. Maybe I don't have time, whatever, but you're requiring me to scroll down to the bottom before I see something that I might have clicked on right away at the beginning. Mm. You know, so that kind of thing was a little bit of resistance. Um, I would say that there are people out there that I talk to all the time. And I know you do too, who, say exactly what you said was, hey, I got this resistance. I can't get any buy-in. You know, what am I going to do? Um, you know, numbers speak. Numbers speak. So you have to have a strategy, but you also have to have KPIs. And a lot of people, their KPIs are views. 
right? Yeah. APIs are views. And that could be good if this is an awareness level video and you're selling widgets to the general public, right? I want 10 million people to see it. If I produced a video for Gordian, and particularly if it was aimed at the government, the federal government sector, for instance, and that video was on YouTube, and I saw that that video got 10 million views, well, I would feel very proud of that, right? I'd feel like I did something right. But those 10 million views do not necessarily translate into revenue for my company, because there are not 10 million potential government customers out there for the product. So the most yeah. important thing is, did somebody watch the video and did they convert? And even the conversion rate, what really matters is influenced revenue. So I have a video series that I've done and have talked about that uh, we have proven marketing inf influenced revenue in the millions of dollars from this video series. It's been live for four years now. I've already had 3,000 views. Yeah. The views don't mean a thing. Exactly. It's led to millions <laughs> of dollars of sales. You yeah. know, so my point, going back to your question, long-winded long answer to your question, uh, is if you can create a strategy, for, if you're trying to do something with video and you're not getting buy-in, I suggest you sit down and you create a strategy for that video. You have a goal for that video. You have KPIs for that video. You present that to your team and you tell them, I can prove this with numbers. And if you can't prove it, then they were probably right from the beginning. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. If you can prove it, that's all you need to do and you'll get buy-in. Yeah. That's so good. And that's absolutely the power of approaching things with a strategy first mindset rather than just let's make some videos. So I love that. I, I do want to wrap up here, but there's one more thing I want to dive into with you because you're, you're working as like you describe yourself as a one man video team within a, an organization. And, you know, as we said before, increasingly more and more organizations are bringing video production capability in-house but where do you see within this kind of a integrated content strategy where do you see the role of the video producer versus the role of empowering regular people within an organization to become their own video producers you know um do you understand where i'm going with this like I you, do. you can produce high quality content right you've got all the gear you, right. you can do that but i'm assuming you're not producing every single piece of video that's coming from Gordian or am I making the wrong actually, assumption? Actually, I am. Yeah, okay. I, I am. But that doesn't mean that I'm making every one of those videos. Okay. So to clarify, we're living in a Zoom world right now, right? It's Zoom, it's Microsoft Teams. I guess some people are still using Skype, you know, whatever. But this is now my video camera, uh, <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it, pretty much. And so... I'm shooting interviews, I'm producing videos this way. And I think it's totally fine. I really do because people are used to it. This is the way people are used to seeing business now, right? And, uh, and I'm getting, as Andrew Davis says, constraints breed creativity. So mm -hmm. I am getting very creative and it's been very, very exciting for me. But uh, there are like a lot of our internal videos and even some of our external videos, members of our executive team, for instance, our company president, he makes all of his own videos 
on his iPhone. Yeah. And we have a lot of other people in, inside that are doing their own videos on their iPhone, or they might record themselves on their computer. We've done a lot of those, a lot of those. However, the role of the video producer you ask about, all of that goes through me. Yeah. Because it's, it, especially if it's public facing, if it's public facing, I take those videos and I edit them. I tell them, we need a three minute video. And I want you to talk about this or somebody else's another stakeholder has asked them to do this. So a salesperson or one of our exec team, you know, gets on and does this video. But I tell you, talk for 20 minutes if you want to. Let me edit that down into a three minute video. Don't try to create a three minute video yourself. So everything does go through me, whether I am the originator of the content or not. Yeah, and I think perfect. that's where the, the talents of an in-house video producer come in is you'll get a very different result if you have somebody who's been doing it for a long time and knows what they're doing than if you just go, hey, I can press record on this. Look, I got a video. I think you're going to see the difference between somebody who knows what they're doing, who touches that and just taking it right off here and putting it up. Yeah, I think that's that's such an important point there. And to me, to me that that excites me because, you know, a big part of my my messaging out there is the role of video producers needs to change. If you consider yourself a video producer um, or filmmaker or videographer, transitioning into becoming a video strategist and understanding the bigger picture of everything that we've talked about here today really positions you for the way that video marketing and business is, is going to be done moving forward. I think that it's just not good enough anymore to be able to produce great looking content and without understanding everything that you've shared with us here today, Glenn. And I think that's exciting. You know, I think that that's, um, that's where people can start to step up and whether they be working in house or whether they be a freelance working as a video producer and just helping their clients get better results. There's so much more to effective video marketing than just, uh, pressing record and editing something beautiful. So I think we're on the same page there, right? Absolutely. Fantastic, Glenn. This has been awesome. Um, thank you very much for breaking down what you're doing there at Gordian. And can you tell me for people that maybe want to connect with you further or reach out to you, where's the best place for people to, to connect? Well, I do have a website, which is gehughes.com. And uh, all of my social links are there. Uh, you can look for me on uh, YouTube. Uh, my username on YouTube is also gehughesvideo. Uh, and, but LinkedIn is the main place that I communicate with people. I'm not really, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, but, but LinkedIn is the place. So, um, you're going to look up Glenn Hughes video. There's a lot of Glenn Hughes out there, especially the famous one from deep purple. And so if you look <laughs> yeah. me up, I'll be on page five of Google because okay. Glenn Hughes from deep purple occupies the first five pages. <laughs> but, yeah, right. You get videos of Glenn Hughes from Deep Purple if you search Glenn Hughes <laughs> yeah, <right>. video. <laughs> All right, awesome, Glenn. Well, to save you getting lost in the world of Deep Purple on Google, <laughs> I encourage everybody to go to the show notes page for this episode at engagevideomarketing.com slash episode 154, 154, and we'll have links to where to find Glenn over there. Glenn, thanks for joining me on the show today. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ben. It was a real pleasure. Okay, so what did you think? Hopefully you picked up some information within this episode that 
has helped you think differently about how you're potentially using video within your own organization or how you're helping clients get more effective with their video marketing as well. I'd love to hear from you what you got out of today's episode. So hit me up, send me a DM at engage underscore Ben on Instagram or shoot me an email to podcast at engagevideomarketing.com and let's open a conversation around this and how it potentially has impacted on the way you think about video marketing within your organization. And thanks again for listening to this episode. Links to Glenn and everything that he's got going on you'll find at the show notes page at engagevideomarketing.com slash episode 154. Head on over there and you'll find everything that you need. And while you're online checking that out, I'd love for you to leave a rating and a review for this podcast. If you haven't yet done that, I would seriously appreciate if you could take a moment to do so. You can do that if you're listening on Apple Podcasts right now. On your phone, just scroll on up to the description in the podcast player and then press that rating and a review button on your page and follow the steps from there. So that's it for this episode. Thanks again for joining me and listening all the way to the end. I'm your host, Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing. Don't be a stranger. Reach out. Say good day. Let me know that you're listening. And I'll see you next week for another episode of the podcast. See you then.